Hello, everyone. I'm Brad Hairston with SSNC Blue Prism. Welcome to the Transform Now podcast. Today, I'm happy to have two guests on the show. The first is Brian Daniels, VP of Revenue Cycle Solutions at Indiana University Health, IU Health. They are the largest and most comprehensive healthcare system in Indiana. My second guest is Matt Gustaitis, CEO and founder of Digital Workforce Solution, a Blue Prism partner who has worked extensively with IU Health. The three of us will be discussing the Indiana University health automation journey and what success factors have enabled them to scale their solution so quickly. Let's start with some introductions. Brian, why don't you go first? Thank you, Brad. It's nice to be here with you and Matt today. I'm Brian Daniels. I have a long history in healthcare revenue cycle IT. About 20 years, I've been working with revenue cycle data, systems development, and systems integrations in order to deliver value to the revenue cycle process. Revenue cycle in healthcare is everything from registering and scheduling a patient for services through billing and collections of amounts due. It's a fascinating area, many challenges. My team is 100 technologists ranging from systems analysts, business intelligence to systems developers. It's great to have you on today. Appreciate you being here, Brian. Matt, you are a returning guest to the podcast. Why don't you reintroduce yourself to our audience? Thanks, Brad. It's nice to join you with Brian as well. As you mentioned, Matt Gustaitis, leading digital workforce solution. Really, we're finding great opportunities across many different industries, especially in healthcare. Awesome. And for those that didn't hear the first time Matt was on, I think we talked about your famous story of saving the final four with automation, if I recall. And I think IU Health was even part of that story, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The NCAA tournament back in, what was that, 2021? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, that's quite the story. <laughs> it is an amazing story. It's one of my favorites. It's not every day that digital workers get involved in something like that. I'm glad to have you both on today. Brian, let me start our conversation with you. Could you just walk us through w- when IU Health began your RPA program and what was the main driver behind that? Yeah, RPA for IU Health has been quite the extensive journey. So prior to 2020, we had acquired RPA within some vendor solutions at a fairly large scale to to post uh, primarily remittances from insurance payers that we receive into the accounting systems. And so we do this at quite a large scale even today. What I found is as we progressed along, automation has become quite the buzzword in healthcare and in very specifically in a revenue cycle, very administrative laden process. Around that time in 2020, it, it was quite the buzzword. And as I heard about it, I thought, well, I lead a technology team and we've been providing automation in various forms for years and, and even inclusive of RPA. I started exploring different vendor solutions and, and basically what are people really touting out there? And, and what I saw was a combination of RPA stitched together with some other technology solutions, but primarily it was RPA as a service. And I thought, well, we do some of this. We've always done some of it. But what I lacked was a structure and method to really control it at scale and develop it at scale. So because my prior experience had been mainly acquiring it and applying it here and there, I I didn't really have a capacity to develop it and deploy it in various spaces within the revenue cycle process. 
So I started looking further and determined that it was a, a piece of the, the technology portfolio that I just, I needed to mature. And that started my journey of looking for, well, how am I going to uniquely solve for that within IU Health, given that I am an embedded technology provider that does a lot of custom development, does a lot of delivery myself. I wanted to find a way to provide RPA at scale at that time. Brian, what are some examples of processes that you automated as you began that journey? And how did they enhance patient care or operational efficiency? The largest use case for us was in the registration space. So when a patient seeks services, they schedule an appointment typically, and we need to collect information initially prior to the patient appearing on site to receive services. We call that pre-registration. When you're an existing patient and you need to have a pre-registration completed, that is a repetitive process where uh, we would pull forward inf information that we had already gathered from some prior visit, re-enter that into the system, and then um, make any changes and complete that pre-registration process so that when you arrive, you're ready to be seen and we can then apply any visit information to that. So we identified that as a prime opportunity early on. And actually, you mentioned the NCAA tournament. When we automated registration for the NCAA tournament, it was a fairly small scale set of automations, but in that same registration space. So mm -hmm. a lot of the same screens you would use to enter that data, we reutilized to say, hey, we could also use that for this pre-registration process. And that registration process is throughout all of our organizations of 16 hospitals and too many physician clinics to count that all utilize that process. That was a, a big win right out of the gate for us. Another opportunity within the registration process, when we check insurance eligibility for a patient, sometimes that check doesn't come back clean and we have to make modifications to the information that we have on hand. So we utilized bot development to basically work through alerts that we receive when that process fails. That's also done at uh, a large scale across our organization. One other early opportunity we identified was updating return mail information. So when we mm -hmm. send statements out to patients, sometimes they come back as returned, and then we ping a database to see what is the accurate address. We find that address and we go and update that in the system to ensure that your statement is received at the appropriate address. That was a 100% manual process that we utilized RPA for. Those are really good examples you gave and, and ones that are pretty common with our healthcare providers, customer base. So it's great to hear that you guys went and tackled those right out of the gate. So Matt, your automation consulting firm, Digital Workforce Solution, You've worked closely with IU Health throughout their journey. How did you help them identify additional areas within the healthcare system that could benefit most from automation? Yeah, it's interesting, Brad. You know, when I think back on 2020, when we were originally getting started, there was just a, a lot, right, to come in. And when Brian and I were starting to talk about what the potential opportunities were, revenue cycle, obviously, within his area was key, right? There was so much opportunity there. Really, the biggest challenge was how do we really put together a program that is sustainable? Because we know that, first of all, there's a lot of processes, there's a lot of opportunities, but we're going to have to be prioritizing them and looking at those areas specifically where we see the most value uh, for the organization. And I think having those conversations early with Brian and the team, he has a great team who really 
came together and said, hey, look, we really see the opportunity. We understand it. And we really want to really leverage this opportunity to use digital workforce to be able to assist with the work that really, quite frankly, is just a lot of repetitive work that people are having to do so then they can be freed up to do other work. And I think having that vision right away was really core and key and really got mm-hmm. them started off on a good note at the very beginning. So by the time you arrived on the scene, was there already a pretty healthy backlog of opportunities that they had accumulated? And so you weren't starting from scratch necessarily, but you had a lot to already kind of evaluate and, and help them prioritize the right way. Yeah, as Brian mentioned, they had already had been doing some aspects of automation for a while. I think for us, it was how can we step back and look at your processes? I think the thing that we really brought more than the digital workforce was really just the look at what are your processes today? How do you have them documented? And then let's look at it at the task level. And first of all, maybe a process just needs to be cleaned up. But I think through looking at the process itself and trying to drive efficiencies, we found the automation opportunities through that. But I think it really, they were definitely set up for success from an automation perspective and a technology side. I think it was more of a question of how do we kind of look at those processes so that we get those ready for automation? Because there's a difference between a process that it just can be automated versus a process that is truly enabled and ready to be automated. And and in some cases, what was unique about our early engagement was as I've tried to apply technology, API development is still coming along along the curve. And mm-hmm. in terms of delivering business, timely business value, RPA has a significant place for me. And so Matt really helped to engage and identify where maybe I could do some of these things through APIs or some sort of some sort of interface, but we could actually leverage RPA now and orchestrate that into that process. Got it. Matt, from your perspective, what what are some qualities of IU Health that have contributed to their success with the automation program? Besides the incredible leadership provided by Brian, I know he's sitting right next to you, so he'll want to point that out, of course. You know, the the reality is we typically see, and I think IU Health is probably one of the best examples of, there's kind of three main things that we look for pretty early on, right? And this is going to determine success from what we see. And the first is a champion, somebody who has the vision, somebody who's going to lead the charge and help educate the business and really say, this is an enabler. This is something that the organization can capitalize on and has that vision. Without that, I think it gets lost very quickly, right? And so Brian, I was excited when we started meeting early on because he already had that vision for where this could go. It was getting mm-hmm. excited about that. And I think that that was one important aspect. The other one was process focus and process readiness. I think even though there was a lot of work we had to do from a process documentation perspective, I think that they have really good individuals on the team that were ready to say, let's look at the processes, let's document them, let's get them ready for automation. And I think their team really adapted to that very quickly. So the process perspective. And then the third thing is really just understanding how you can leverage these tools in conjunction with everything else that you have within your organization. And I think those three things, from my perspective at least, really showed that they were going to be successful as they got started in their automation program from a digital workforce perspective. But there's obviously a lot of other aspects. But to me, that really was core and key. And I think that's why they've had the success that they've had. Mm. Brian, how about from your 
perspective? I mean, how did how did your team end up selecting Digital Workforce Solution to partner with you in this program? Well, first I'll say I was very fortunate to happen upon Matt. And so we met through a, a common colleague, a former colleague of his, a current colleague of mine at the right time. I was in the early stage of that journey where I, like I mentioned earlier, I had been examining vendors and what are vendors really doing in this space and comparing that to what can I do internally within my organization. And I had already established that I didn't really want to have the risk of outsourcing automation and relying on a digital workforce at the scale of some of these things that I'm talking about. And I needed to have a strong core capability to do that. So it was imperative for me to build my own program. I knew that. What was different about Matt is he engaged me at the level that I needed to be engaged and to the degree that I needed to satisfy my program. So it wasn't, hey, plug me in, I'll automate things for you, and then I'll maintain these services for you. It was, hey, this is where I am in my journey. I need to, I have some RPA. I need to establish a new capability for RPA that allows for lots of controls, lots of measures so that I don't assume risk on the scale that we're talking about. Matt really helped me piece that together. I had no team to develop. Matt helped me with forming a team, helped me with the process to ingest opportunities, examine the opportunity, and line it up to be automated. Those components did not exist in my operation, so I had to tailor that to my program. And and that's really the differentiator with DWS and, and Matt's leadership to guide me through that. And he mm-hmm. changed. He, he was also able to meet me with the services that I required at the time. So he mm-hmm. supplemented me early with development and even support helped me set up the environment and select uh, Blue Prism initially to best fit my needs. And, mm-hmm. and then carry me on through a maturity curve of my own team developing and starting to be able to take opportunities from beginning to end. Now we're shifting into kind of a, a phase where it's advisory and, and how we're going to move to the next level of automation. Hmm. I love, I love that approach. Matt and his team really know what they're doing. That, that's a, that's a great approach. Brian, let's talk about some of the key challenges that you've faced in your automation program, specifically around IT or the executive team dealing with the business areas. Anything you want to call out that's been a major challenge over the last few years and talk about how you address those challenges. Sure. I'll give you lots of challenges. I'll give you a little bit of each. In the IT space, I would say as a as an IT person, an IT service provider, uh, IT's perspective many times is that RPA is bad. RPA is a less sophisticated way to achieve some technology-driven outcome. And yes, you can have interfaces, you can have APIs, you can have custom code, all kinds of things, custom applications that drive value. But part of value and part of my journey is, I think I've explained some of this earlier, is that time to delivery matters. Maturity of applications matter, especially in the healthcare revenue cycle space. My challenge is there's a myriad of technologies to solve for the revenue cycle. It's not one system. It's 60 systems I'm layering all together trying to drive value and there's repetition in there. There's lack of interoperability within applications and really focusing on that value statement as an IT organization and pivoting to that statement and saying it's a necessary part of our portfolio is the conversation that had to happen even within my internal team. 
So I have a, an IT unit and I'm part of a larger, much larger enterprise IT organization. And having a conversation on both sides, at the core, IT people don't like to do RPA. So that was one challenge on the IT front. Mm -hmm. On the business front, I would highlight for anyone that's endeavoring to do RPA or, or automation in general, really recognizing what your process is at a detail level, standardizing processes if they're not standardized, and focusing on, hey, there's a book of work there that needs to happen. You need to be engaged with operations to do that. And sometimes you get to massage out a process because you can't automate the entirety of the process. You can automate bits and components. You can still get value. And that's a level of engagement that you just have to be prepared for. You have to be prepared for conversations where people don't know the first thing about what a, a bot is and how you're going to apply this technology to their process, how you're going to carve up their process and reassemble it in a way to accomplish the same thing, but just in a more efficient fashion. That has proven to be more challenging than I had anticipated out of the gate. The way I solved for it is I actually created a small team that is focused on that very thing, engaging with operations to talk mm -hmm. about their process, understand and measure their process if, they're, if they weren't already doing that, and then recognize if they had deviation from that process saying, hey, get the 80% scenario and let's automate that, or, or even the 20% mm -hmm. scenario if it's a predominant scenario. Let's go and get those pieces and we can apply RPA to that and then we can evolve that automation to more heavily automate together as they get to learn what we've already applied. So that's much more of a journey than I anticipated. And having people that are dedicated to go look at it and engage in that way with the business, I, I felt like was instrumental to, to getting over that hurdle. Then the last part would be on the executive side of things. I would say we all talk about wanting technology and the efficiencies it brings. Like I said, it's been a big buzzword in, in my sector, the industry. But once you get down to it, once you start automating processes, you're talking about replacing work that people were uh, formerly doing, uh, typically you don't find that it's 100% of someone's job you're automating. You're automating bits and pieces of jobs, and you're trying to quantify that and turn that into dollars saved on budget. And that really hits the fan at a point when you're talking about how do we plan, how do I know what to expect, how do I know what to hold my operational units to in terms of budget reduction. So converting yep. efficiency to actual dollar savings is much harder than you would think it is. The way that we solved for that is I created a governance committee within uh, my division. So it's the peer executives of mine that are responsible for operations. And we meet to collectively make the investment on the automation opportunities and establish the expectations of their units to say, hey, this is what we think the efficiency is. It calculates to this. Here's a reasonable dollar amount that we think we should be able to extract from the people cost of that operation and then apply that accountability from the very top level. That has been a challenge. It continues to be a challenge. No one wants to give up a buck at the end of the day. But we all do want this benefit and we have to put our heads together and say, this is how we translate that benefit into what I can absorb on the operations and in terms of cost reductions. Thank you for going through those. It's really impressive what you've done to overcome what are undoubtedly three big areas of challenge with three different audiences. And those perception challenges for sure are difficult to overcome, especially with IT. Well, Brian and Matt, it 
it has been a true pleasure talking with both of you today. And it, it's really tremendous to see how your organizations are working together to build such a impactful automation capability there at IU Health. So really appreciate you being on the podcast to, to share about that, about the journey. And I wish you both the best.